Dr. Pamela Larde, and you are watching The Joy Whisperer, where we explore the practice and the science of joy as a catalyst for our relationships, our resilience, our restoration, and our resistance. Today, we are going to be exploring the idea of life and longevity. So what does it mean to experience a life that is not only long, but a life that also gives us life, a life that also is filled with all of the things that make life great, like love and happiness and exploration of new adventures and relationships and all of those things. So what we want to do is think about not only how we can look good as we age, but more importantly, how we can feel good as we age, how we can make more meaning of our lives during this time. I wanna address this from three particular truths. Number one is to rethink thinking. The way that we think about um, our lives, our, our mentalities and our mindsets have an impact on our livelihoods. So we bring stress into our own lives when our thinking maximizes the, the, the challenges and the fears that we have in our lives. So thinking about how we think is going to be really important. Number two is to rethink eating. So today we're going to have a guest on our show who, is, who has transformed her life simply by transforming the way that she eats. So we're gonna learn a little bit more about how eating and what we bring into our bodies um, impact our energy levels, the way we look, the way we feel, the way that we even approach our lives. And then truth number three is rethink aging. We have this obsession in society to stop the, the proof and the evidence of aging. There are entire industries there's money poured into this. There are people who look at themselves in the mirror every single day, like myself, and take notes on the little things that are changing, but not in ways that are necessarily healthy and affirming, but in ways that are filled with dread and fear about what's to come. So we've got a lot ahead for you. Um, theories, a great guest, really good information. So what I'd love for you to do is grab a pen, and grab a friend so that we can let the joy whispering begin. Today's theory to live by comes from this book by Ilchi Lee, I've Decided to Live 120 Years. Uh, he has a great philosophy about how to change our entire perspective of our um, lifespan. Many times people, by the time they reach 60 and they're um, retired, Often, too often, what happens is people begin to sort of just sit, become stagnant, stagnant and wait for those final years of their lives to play out. Well, Ilchi Lee challenges us to look at 120 years as a possible lifespan, as this is what is biologically possible for the human experience. Most people who I mention this to laugh and scoff at the idea because they say, who wants to be alive at 120 years? because it's not a happy and healthy time of, of living. I beg to differ, and as does Ilchi Lee. So here's what he writes, and this is related to his idea of renewal and completion. To live the second half of your life for completion, a life that gives you true inner satisfaction 
and soul fulfillment, there is a process that you must go through. You need to take time to reflect on the first half of your life and to design the second half. You can understand this even if you're 30 years old. The years pass and the seasons change in accordance to the cycles of nature, but it is you who gives meaning to those changes and it is you who chooses renewal. Unless you reflect on what you've learned through the past year and how you will apply those lessons to your future life, aging another year won't make you any wiser. In the same way, unless you take the time to consciously look back and reflect deeply on the first half of your life, all that remains will be fleeting memories and feelings. Your experiences won't develop into wisdom for living better in the second half of your life. So I love the way that he categorizes our lives in seasons, a first half, a second half. So as you start to um, consider the second half of your life, and that part of completion and how you can make sure that you finish well, it's important for us to learn the lessons from the first parts of our lives. No, this is actually a really good book. I, um, not only do I have the regular book, I also have the, um, they have a workbook and there's an audio book and I go to sleep listening to the wisdom that comes out of this book. Um, really about um, changing the way that you see life. You know, people consider our 40s, this is I'm in my 40s, midlife. And by no means, according to this, I'm not in midlife, I haven't even reached midlife. The truth number one is to rethink our thinking. Now, we have different ways that we approach life depending on what's going on. Sometimes we have our highs and lows, our great seasons, our challenging seasons. And one of the things that enhances our lives and really um, prepares us for a life of longevity, a life of longevity that we love, um, is if we rethink the way that we perceive the things that come into our lives. So the different challenges that we face, um, sometimes we can find ourselves falling into this woe is me mode. Why does this always happen to me? Um, why do people always um, you know, disrespect me? Why don't people think the way that I think? And I, you know, I've had conversations with students and colleagues, friends all the time um, out of frustration with the way that somebody else has treated them, with the behaviors of other people. And one of the things that's really important for us to think about is we can't control anybody but ourselves. So while we may not be able to control or change the way that um, somebody is treating us, we can change the way that we process that and the way that we respond to that um, and take the frustration and the burden of trying to change them off of them and adjust it to what you have the power to do in your particular situation. So this is really a way of changing our thinking, rethinking our thinking so that we can release ourselves from the stress that we may experience when we're trying to figure out why do people do what they do? You know, why didn't they return my call? Why can't they just simply, and then fill in the blank, whatever that is. And we wear on ourselves when we spend too much time and energy worrying about why people behave the way they do. I'll give you the answer to all the questions. If you ever ask yourself, why did they do this or why didn't they do that? Just, I'll answer the question because they're human and humans behave the way humans behave based on the, the framework that they have been working with for their lives. And that's it. 
There's nothing deeper than that. That is the answer. So rethink your thinking from the standpoint of I can control what I can do and the decisions I make and the turns I take in my own life. And start, you know, replacing some of those, um, you know, negative um, projections that we put on other people and change it to positive assumptions. Let's say that the person, give them grace. You know, maybe they are going through some things. Maybe they are responding to you through the lens of their own trauma. It doesn't mean that it's okay. It doesn't mean that you need to accept it, but it does mean that you need to rethink your thinking in a way that enables you to act according to where you're trying to go in your own life. So if your goal and your focus and your values are in a place of, I want to have a long and happy, fulfilling, peaceful life, what kind of responses are required for you to do that when you are facing situations that are challenging? And again, the first way to begin that process, to begin living a life like that, is to rethink our thinking. So we also want to rethink our thinking about ourselves, the way that we think about ourselves and what we are capable of doing, and how we envision ourselves. Um, So we use Ilchi Lee's book, 120 years. Everybody might have a different number. And even in his book, he says, we don't have to use that number People can declare, I want to live to 97, you know, whatever that is. But envision yourself at that age. And sometimes it means rethinking what that looks like for you and envisioning what you would like that to look like for you. Uh, I have an amazing mentor. She doesn't even know she's my mentor. She's 72 years old. We share the same birthday. She is known as Chef Babette. And she is amazing. Um, She had adapted a healthy lifestyle 30 years ago and when she was basically my age, which makes it really exciting. And she has maintained that lifestyle and is now very much committed to fitness, wellness, well-being, positive thinking. And when I envision what the way that I see myself and how I would like to see myself when I'm in my 70s, this is one of the images that comes to mind. So rethinking means thinking about how I'm currently thinking and what my mind is currently doing, fleshing those things out, and looking for different ways to um, approach our lives, to think about our lives, to think about ourselves, and to think about our interactions with other people. our thinking. Another way that I like to think about this is with what I call themed decades. Now, this is an interesting concept, but it's for people like me who like to spend a lot of um, time and energy doing a lot of different things. We've got goals and just a, a laundry list of different things that we'd like to accomplish in life. And I don't mean like the mundane, boring things. I'm talking about things like travel or career changes or building a family and um, at, at, you know, different stages of our lives, embodying family in different ways, you know, so what does that all look like? Um, And how do we create themed decades for our lives? So if you think about your decades and you think about 
the themes of your life under certain de decades. So age 10, you know, one to 10, what did that look like? Um, you know, ages 10 to 20, what did that look like? 20 to 30. And so I'll just jump to 20 to 30. 20 to 30 for me was all about building a life, figuring out what I wanted to do with my life and trying to move into that direction. So for me, it meant going to school. Um, I had my son and I was going to school while I had my son. Um, it meant meeting somebody while I was in college and getting married and navigating that marital life. It meant buying, I think in that decade, I bought two houses. Um, and so really that, that build of what, you know, and thinking that what I'm doing in my 20s is building for what will become the rest of my life. And so little did I know, life happens, things pivot, and my life looks nothing like today, looks nothing like what I thought I was building in my 20s. So what happens is that we learn um, that our lives are not just this running tape that just kind of goes the same way from one decade to the next. We actually find that there are significant differences in um, the ways that our lives play out from one decade to the next. So as I stepped into my 30s, very different life than what I had in my 20s. I was building again because by the time I crossed into my 30s, I was in the process of divorce in my early 30s. So now it was, how do I build my life as a, a single mom again, but differently this time around because now I'm not going to college. I have my career. I am on a trajectory and um, building my academic life, um, figuring out how to where to relocate and create a home for my children. And so there was a lot of differences between my 20s and my 30s. But in neither case did it feel like I was the author of my own life. I was really responding to life circumstances, or I should say reacting to life circumstances. Now, as I stepped into my 40s, it was the first time I realized that Actually, I don't have to just live my life in reaction mode to the things that are happening in my life. I actually can take the wheel and steer it and make some conscious decisions about what I want my life to look like. So by the time I was 40, I had made a very conscious decision that I'm going to do some things very differently. I'm going to travel more. I'm going to pursue um, different personal, professional interests. Um, and, you know, I've always wanted to, uh, back in the day, I decided, you know, I wanted to be a writer. I was going to be a news reporter. Um, I was going to do all of these different things. And my life in reaction to my life took me off course. So as I stepped into my 40s and I started figuring it out, figuring out things that I wanted to do, you know, for fun, that brought me life, that nurtured my relationships, I also started thinking about what are some of those things I always wanted to do that I never got a chance to do? And things like going to film school. Um, I have a couple of film scripts that I've written. Um, things like traveling um, further distances than where I've gone before. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of different things that I had decided that I wanted to do that I hadn't gotten to do. And, and in many cases, most of us will say, well, you know, that ship has sailed and not going to be able to do that. But with themed decades, I might be able to say, so in my 40s, and I will say with my 40s, that has been a decade of exploration, of travel, of nurturing friendships, of building 
um, the side of myself that isn't in response to trauma, but building a side of myself that is in response to that person inside of me that I've always wanted to have come out. And so that's part of what's been happening in my 40s. So maybe in my 50s, I might say, you know what, I'm going to pursue that film career. And perhaps in my 60s, I might say, you know what, I'm going to relocate to Italy and create an entire new life there. And then in my 70s, but you get what I'm saying. So every decade can have its own theme and its own feel without it being a reaction to life, but with it being your choice and your own design. There is power in joy, and today's power gear is one of my favorite designs, the Joyfully Made Mug. Now, this design can be found on the joywhisperer.org website. Just go to the store and check out all of the different designs that are available in the form of t-shirts, sweatshirts, even a dress. Now, Joyfully Made is a great positive affirmation. I love my tea. I have tea every morning, and it really does motivate me to be able to wake up and to see this every morning. So go to the website, go to thejoywhisperer.org, and represent what it means to be joyfully made. I had an amazing opportunity to sit down with Kiani Lee Parker, who is um, a manager for a restaurant and also a fashion boutique owner in Savannah. So for those of you who know me well, you know that I take these trips down to Savannah to sit and write, to think, to regroup, um, and to re-energize myself. And so Kiani is one of the people that I meet regularly because her restaurant is one of the restaurants that I go into um, to do much of my writing or to catch up on a good football game. So check out this amazing interview I had with her. She is vegan. She changed her entire um, lifestyle due to um, a, a report that she got from the doctor and really a need to just change the way that she approaches food, rethinking eating. So check out this interview. All right, so I have the awesome opportunity to sit down with Kiani Lee Parker, and um, we're gonna talk a little bit about what it means to rethink the way that we eat. Mm -hmm. And Kiani is, um, she's a DM of a restaurant, and she's also the owner of a boutique that focuses on sustainable fashion, which is incredibly intriguing to me. So. <laughs> bit about that um but so before we get started i the the way that we came in touch with each other um those of you who watch the show regularly know that i take um monthly um soul revivals i used to call them getaways but i'm like what am i trying to get away from like <laughs> I love life i'm not trying to get away from it um so i call them my monthly soul revivals and i often land in savannah georgia uh, where i came across kiani there and she um shared her journey um, really into um, a vegan lifestyle. And it's really, I think from my understanding, it's more than just a diet. It's more of a, an entire lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear a little bit about your transition into that and really even how the sustainable faction kind of mm -hmm. folds into that lifestyle. Yeah. Okay, so um, initially I watched What's the Health? Oh, <laughs> and <gosh. laughs> it's a documentary on Netflix. Uh, about animal cruelty and how like our food is being produced right now. Mm -hmm. um, and then the same week I went to the doctor and they were trying to put me on blood pressure medicine. And I'm like, oh man, I am 30, 
I think I was 34 at the moment. I was like, I'm too young to be on blood pressure medicine. I'm not a big fan of medication at all. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, this is my sign to go vegan. Um, <laughs> so I did. Have you already thought about it before this? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Never a thing. Yeah. Okay. I remember uh, a couple of months prior, my husband went uh, pescatarian. And so, and I was like, how are you going to give up meat? Like, how are you going to do that? That's, <laughs> that's not cool at all. <laughs> and then what's the hell? It totally changed my mind. Wow. Um, the next morning I threw out all everything in my refrigerator that had meat um, or donated. I gave some to friends um, or dairy in them. So basically uh-huh. that was everything, <laughs> everything wow. besides the fruits and the vegetables. And then I started, you know, going down the rabbit hole of finding different recipes. Um, my hardest thing was going to be like how I'm going to do Sunday dinner with my parents when they're eating, you know, macaroni and cheese and collard greens and yes. all that great stuff, fried chicken. So I started veganizing my soul food Sunday dinners. So mm-hmm. my first challenge was macaroni and cheese. <laughs> That's the best so, right there. It is. It's like a great comfort meal. <laughs> it probably took me like a month or two to like finalize the recipe and get it down to like enjoyable, almost the same taste um, and consistency and texture as regular macaroni and cheese. So we're gonna need that recipe. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll give it to you. <laughs> I love it. So, okay. So, just to back up a little bit, how do what's the best way to define what vegan is? Because mm-hmm. I know there's some people interchange it with vegetarianism, which is definitely not the same mm-hmm. thing. What distinguishes it from others, um, other ways of eating? So um, veganism is no byproducts of animals at all. So that includes dairy, um, eggs, butter. Um, Some vegans do eat honey. Um, I choose not to unless I'm really sick. Oh, really? Okay. Um, Honey does have some um, benefits. Um, And yeah, so no meats, not even fish. Fish is considered meat. Everybody's like, like, seafood is in the meat. I was like, it is. It's the meat of an animal. It's meat. Right. And so the idea is to stay away from animals as a source Mm -hmm. of, but it, but, and so when we talk about it as a lifestyle, it's not just as a source of food though, but it's also the clothing, the materials Mm -hmm. and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, so in clothing, you know, silk is from silkworms, uh, leather is from cow or any other, like sometimes alligators. Um, And then as far as your like beauty products, they put a lot of like uh, animal parts in them. So like uh, beetles, they use that in a lot of eyeshadows and lipstick to give it that color, like that red color. Um, It's just like sneaky things they put in like different beauty products that you won't know until you like actually Google the word and be like, oh, that's actually like uh, animal fat or fish eggs. Um, wow. Yeah, like white sugar, it has um, animal bone char in it. Really? So, like, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I <know. laughs> no, and I that's, Yeah, and that's hard, especially like the cocktail industry. Like I'm in food and beverage uh, industry. I've been in it for 15 years and a lot of our drinks are made with simple syrup. So I have to like really look at the ingredients and be like, oh, are you putting simple syrup in there? If so, can you please leave that off? Mm. Um, Like normally now I use like agave and turbinado um, as far as a sweetener and then date syrup. 
Sugar is really good too. Dates from dates. Mm-hmm. I love dates. I love mm-hmm. dates. Okay, mm-hmm. nice. Now this is really good information. So somebody who is looking. So so my whole truth number two is about rethinking um, the way we eat. And the based on what you're saying, that's actually more of an entire lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. Um, how did this transition change your life? Oh, so I would say a month in to being vegan, I had clearer thoughts. So yeah, it was astonishing. Like, so I always wanted to open up a boutique, you know, I love clothing. And then it got my mind to go into like, all this clothing is end up going into the landfill. Like we, like all this fast fashion now, um, everything's being really trendy. So everyone's not keeping their clothing. They're just throwing it away and purchasing new clothing. So I came up with the idea. I was going to either open up a vegan friendly like uh, fabric wise and sustainable uh, designers and brands. And then I came up with the idea of like, there are so many items out there that just needs to be um, represented in a sense or repurposed. Um, So then I went through this whole thing of going sourcing for clothes and thrifting. And then I found amazing pieces like tags on them and everything. And I was like, man, I'm just going to like, throw this in the dry cleanings and like sell it. Yeah. And then there's a lot of vintage items out there. You know, like you find good vintage, vintage items. So, so vintage is 20 years or older. So if it can last okay. 20 years, then it can last I another 20 years. From <laughs> yeah. <college>. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. I didn't know I was being sustainable, but like I held on to a lot of my clothing and everybody was like, why do you still have this? I was like, there's nothing wrong with it. Why yeah. throw it away? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I have a lot of that. So, okay. Yeah. So, so the first, so you said it adds to more clarity. So in this sense, you're speaking to clarity as a problem as in, solving or. Yeah. As- and the way my brain was thinking, I was just like uh, more in tune with my emotion um just like clearer dreams uh yeah yeah it really took away that brain uh, fog you get sometimes that is so interesting and then I realized my energy level like when I um do consume food I wasn't getting that like itis very heavy feeling that you you know you might need a nap after a meal um yeah yeah So today's whisper in my ear is brought to you by Vera Lofts, where creatives enhance their view. Today's question is, I would like to make changes in my life, but I really love the habits that I currently have. How do I go about changing those habits? That is such a good question. And the reason why I can resonate with that so much is because I am a habit person. I was raised by a habit father. And the things that I am you know, used to doing, I have routines and I love my routines. And I do the same things over and over again. It's my comfort zone, right? And we all have our comfort zones. And so I really like to recommend two particular ways to think about change and how we go about um, creating change when we're really comfortable with the things that we're doing. Number one, start small, and I'll tell you about how to do that. And then number two is to begin where you are. You know how people say meet people where they are? 
meet yourself <laughs> where you are. And so when it comes to these kinds of changes, so let's say we're talking about diet changes. I'm going to eat differently. I'm going to intake more vegetables. Um, I'm going to, you know, reduce the cholesterol that I intake. And, but I love the stuff that I love and I don't want to leave that stuff. Um, you know, of course with food, it's, it's moderation. And, and I won't go into the specifics of what kind of change um, you might want to make and, and how to go about doing that because there's a lot of different ways to make a change in, in certain areas. But when we think about overall our mindset and how we approach that change, starting small has been one of the best ways for me to do it because sometimes when I try to do something that is dramatic, and over the top, especially if it's a huge overhaul, it gets overwhelming. And then if you fail, you get frustrated and then you go back to eat or whatever it is that's your, your old habit so that you can feel comfortable again. So how do you get to a place where I can make these changes and if I make a mistake, it's okay, I can get back up and I can keep going? Well, you do that by starting small. So starting small can mean that I might just make swap out one thing a day if we're talking about food. If we're talking about exercise, I'm going to do, I, I saved a video just yesterday where she was doing stomach exercises from her chair. And I was thinking, I could do that. <laughs> so small things that, you know, enable you to get started, that get the momentum going, and then you can graduate to larger things or start you know, integrating other things into your life. So start small. What is that one thing that you can start doing this week in terms of making some change that you've been wanting to make for a while? And the second thing is to start with where you are. Knowing who you are as a person and understanding the struggles that, that you have, maybe not trying to embody somebody else's style, but embodying your own nature, your own personality into that change. Um, so for example, if you are um, somebody who loves outdoor activity, but you want to adopt um, you know, some kind of exercise that makes you go inside in a dark place and you don't get to feel the air, that doesn't resonate with who you are. So think about creating changes that resonate with who you are as a person. Start with where you are. Start with who you are. So that whatever it is you're doing, you are being true to yourself. And you're much more likely to continue the behavior if it's something that is um, that resonates with who you are as a person. So my thing is, when you are looking to create change, Start small. Don't overwhelm yourself. Don't create um, unrealistic expectations for yourself because you're setting yourself up for failure. And number two, know yourself. Know who you are and step into change from that standpoint. Now, there are so many ways that um, we can approach the truth of aging and aging doesn't necessarily you know we think of aging we automatically think of elderly but honestly aging is something we do every day from the day that we were born so it is not a particular milestone um, as we talk about aging but it also refers to our maturity it also refers to lessons learned it refers to growth and it's important for us to perceive the whole of what aging entails as opposed to just looking at 
the uh, the gray hairs and the wrinkles and the skin that doesn't look the way that it looked when we were 20. Um, and sure, those are, are very realistic concerns um, as it pertains to aging. Of course, you know, we, as I, I've said about myself, I'm a creature of habit. I like to go and look in the mirror and see the same person that I have been seeing every day. And so when I see changes, I start to panic a little bit like, oh no, what's happened? More gray hairs. And it's, it, it has to become a conscious thing to be aware of the way you're thinking about aging. Um, because what it then becomes is this race to beat the clock. And we can't. <laughs> I mean, in a literal sense, we cannot beat the clock. The clock is going to keep on ticking. So my approach is what will I do with the time that I have? What will I do with the lessons that I'm learning? You know, and a very interesting um, perspective, and this is from um, more of the joyfully single work that I've been doing, is the that people believe that they are losing time when they are looking for a spouse or looking for a companion. And I am equally guilty of this. I have often joked that I have spent the best, sexiest years of my life single, and that <laughs> by the time I meet somebody, I'm going to be old and shriveled up. This is the this is the language I have spoken out loud to myself and to others and I have you know nobody's perfect right so I have had to check myself and rethink my thinking about aging and what that really means um because now that we have access to social media we see plenty of examples of people who have found love in later ages later stages in their lives and are absolutely living it up are traveling the world, are discovering new things together. Um, so, so there's a lot of different ways that we can look at aging. And one of the things that I think is important is for us to ab abandon the idea that we are wasting time or that we have lost time because we didn't get something that we wanted, because we haven't gotten a job that we wanted or found the love that we wanted. Um, so how do we rethink that? How do we rethink aging? It is, for me, it's about understanding the value of what we have today and allowing that to to be our drive you know what what is going on today that i want to continue on with um but what do i want to build upon you know as a as opposed to lamenting over a a future that i'm not sure about that i'm afraid of so rethinking our aging from the standpoint of finding the things that we want love relationships um, even childbearing, you know, for women, there is a time clock when it comes to childbearing. Um, but there are also a lot of other creative ways to fulfill those needs. Um, and so what can we create for ourselves that would enable us to, to find the fulfillment that we seek at this stage in our lives and then in, in the stages of our lives to come? Um, so again, with the single thing, I want people to, um, not spend so much time worrying about the what ifs of their future. Because when we do that, and this might, you know, this can relate to singlehood, but it also can relate to, um, you know, pursuits professionally. You know, I wanted to go to film school. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. Um, and then when we get in a desperate state of, I never got to do this. I never got to have children. I never got to get married. I never got to, you know, it felt fill in the blank, X, Y, and Z. There's always things that we still want to do. If we can look at our future 
um, and the years to come, not necessarily from the standpoint of aging and, you know, sort of declining, but more so as opportunities, uh, more, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Airline, you know, the running, the, the runway, we have more runway to keep doing the things that we want to do. So we're not out of time. We have plenty of um, opportunities to pursue the things that we want to pursue. So if we start thinking about our future in that sense, as opposed to a decline, as opposed to we're nearing the end of our lives, um, then we are more likely to be proactive about creating the lives that we want, as opposed to sitting on our loyals, laurels and thinking, too late, I didn't get to do it, so, you know, oh well. Um, and woe is me, and I hate my life, you know? And so instead of that, um, we can try to create, we can begin to create those opportunities um, so that we can have a life that we actually love and that we feel like, you know what? I didn't get to do that, but I got to do this. That is how we rethink aging. myself a different question. So it's not always, how do I look younger? Um, how do I, you know, fake out nature and, and look like I'm still 20? Now, of course, this is probably an obsession for a lot of us, especially in the social media stage where we want our pictures to be, you know, perfect and, and so forth. So we all maybe have a little bit of that. But I think the, um, the better question isn't so much how we look younger, um, but how do we feel better? Not even necessarily feel younger, because some people who live their lives really well feel better in their 50s, 60s, and so forth than they felt when they were in their 20s. Um, so it's not really about a number in, in terms of feeling better because of a certain age, but it's really in, in relation to where you are in your life right now, how do you prepare yourself to continue to feel better as time goes on? What are some of those things that you'd have to do and adjust for your own life in order to not only feel better tomorrow or the next day, but to set yourself up for a life that just sort of has this as the norm. So yes, it's, it's fine. And it's something that we do, you know, we want to look a certain way. We want to, you know, reclaim 
um, the way that we've always looked. But what are we doing for the inside of ourselves? Who are we surrounding ourselves with? Um, that add life to to us. And and that's that thing is so important because building friendships, having connections um, with people who enable you to laugh and enjoy life and to release the stress is is going to add to your longevity much more so than surrounding yourself with people who add to the stress who are laborious, laborious, you know, in your life and, and cause you um, to experience greater burdens than you would had you chosen another <laughs> set of people. And now we can't always choose, you know, our families. We can't always choose um, always the people who are around us, but we can be intentional about our safe spaces. We can say, you know what, work is, is taking its toll on me right now, I'm not in a position to quit my job necessarily, but I am going to find a safe space so that when I leave work, I can experience some reprieve. I can talk it out with people. I can exhale. I can lay down. I can feel safe. So thinking about the sort of the dichotomy between the stressors that we have versus the relief to stress that we have, how do we make sure there's a match? So when we do have certain things that stress us out, certain people, that pull us down and suck the lives out of us. What do we have in place to make sure that we're going to be okay anyway? That that we may have to endure that particular situation because life is not all roses and tulips. How do we make sure that we are okay in the aftermath of some of those difficult times that we can't even always predict? Um, I recently posted on social media that uh, the, you know, the last few weeks of my life have been just stressful um, between the, the responsibilities of my businesses, of my job, to um, life events that are unpredictable. I had a couple of friends lose their lives over the last couple of weeks. Um, a school shooting threatened at my daughter's school, um, as well as just my own trying to maintain motherhood and do the best that I can and make sure that everything that is needed for our home is taken care of. Um, that's a lot. And if we allow those things to weigh us down and we don't find intentional ways to find relief, to lift those burdens, to have moments to exhale, to talk it through, to write it out, to do whatever it is we need to do, we are adding, um, additional burdens to our, our lives just by not recovering to the burdens that already come. So we don't want to, we're, we're really literally taking um, away from the longevity of our lives when we don't take care of ourselves. Yes, we're going to have moments that are, that are a struggle. We can't necessarily always escape that. But what we can do is build in ways for us to find the relief that our body needs and that we deserve. Rest and relaxation as it pertains to a healthy body. Oftentimes when people talk about rest and relaxation, you hear things like, I'll rest when all the work is done. They even have hashtags, hashtag team no sleep. I'm sure you've heard of that. And the worst of all, I'll sleep when I'm dead. That's just terrible. If you truly want to have an overall healthy body, you have to invest in three pillars of health. You need three strong pillars of health, and one of which is nutrition. 
we all talk about nutrition when we want to be healthy. We're changing the way we eat. Uh, we're joining vegan lifestyles, keto lifestyles, pescatarian. We are truly looking at what we're putting into our bodies, and that's great. You also hear those same people may look at it, it exercise as part of that overall health regime. And they're getting 30 minutes a day, vigorous exercise. They're joining a gym, maybe even a walking club. But what you don't hear about is the sleep component. And sleep is that third pillar of health that is very important. If you do not get the right amount of sleep per night, which we will say is between six and a half to eight and a half hours. Most people find that their sweet spot is right around seven and a half, but your body will tell you. If you don't get that right amount of sleep, your body is not able to go through some of the systems checks that are required for it to maintain that healthy body. The body also goes through what we call a cleansing process and cleanses out some of the impurities that your body absorbs, that your body intakes throughout the day. If you find that you're often getting sick, colds, maybe you think they're allergies or what have you, a lot of people will look at what they're eating, what's in their environment, but they're not looking at how they're sleeping. A good sleep schedule, a good sleep routine will help you to fight off some of those small colds or things that you're experiencing. But what's even scarier is that lack of good sleep, lack of good rest and relaxation also leaves you susceptible to things like high blood pressure, diabetes, and obesity. Some of those things we attribute to hereditary. Everybody in my family has that. Well, is everybody in your family also looking at these three pillars of health and focusing on them to maintain that healthy body? It's said that 33% of the U.S. is sleep deprived. If you think about it in terms of those same people existing in life day to day with us, they're driving, they're working, they're showing up where we are, and they are sleep deprived. That's a very dangerous scenario to comprehend. So to me, rest and relaxation is pivotal to an overall healthy life. Living a long and fulfilling life is possible, and it is at your fingertips. There are things that you can do proactively that make all the difference in how you live your life, how you approach your life, and what your future looks like. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of The Joy Whisperer. Join me every Thursday from noon to 1 p.m. on the SSN TV channel on Roku TV. Also, engage with me on social media. Follow me on LinkedIn or follow my Instagram page on Whispering Joy. Remember, joy is our greatest energy source for our resistance, our resilience, our restoration, and our relationships. Have an amazing and empowering week. You're a loss where creatives enhance their view.